This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood, and I am glad that you're able to join us once again. And welcome, as always, to those of you who are listening to the podcast for the first time. This week, I had a bit of a debate about the topic that I wanted to talk about. And this debate continued right up until the time I began recording. So, what's tonight's topic? I decided to just take some time tonight in between some of these multiple topic sessions that we've been having to just talk to you about how I got into UX. So tonight, I'd just like to share my story, how I got into UX. I want you to take a step back and go with me timeline-wise. I've already talked about the, the history of UX and the timeline and how things came to be and where we are today based on how things started out. But I'm going to take you down my timeline this time. So go with me in a virtual time machine, if you will, back to good old 1995. And in 1995, this is shortly after the time when some of you will remember this and some of you may not, the time when we used to get those wonderful little America online floppy disks in the mail hoping that we would sign up for America's online internet service. So that's about the time that my story begins from a UX perspective. I got my little first computer where those are the days where we rejoiced in having a 20 megabyte hard drive. Can you imagine that? Happy to have a 20 megabyte hard drive. That's insane. But I had my first Packard Bell computer. I had my first formal taste of technology at my fingertips. I did have an Apple IIc prior to that, but it was completely different. And I'm I'm an Apple guy. I'm a Mac guy. I love my Macs. Uh, but I have everything, actually, just in case you're wondering. I have Macs and I have a Surface computer. Um, but back then, we were just getting our feet wet. I had been doing desktop publishing for a few years already, I had already been designing forms. I had already been designing databases in Microsoft Access. So I was not new to the world of design, but only from a general standpoint. I get my first computer. I'm also starting to do some work for a nonprofit organization. And the nonprofit organization had need to join the fray of people who were starting to rush to the internet. First, we get our internet access and we're starting to have the email, the personal email, and we're starting to see the websites pop up everywhere. And the, the internet is the rage. It's, it's, it's the thing. We got to get to the web. And so the nonprofit organization that I was doing work for wanted a website. And I'm in this position. Hey, uh, I can help. I can do it. And so, like many of us, because those of us who were what I refer to as first generation uh, 
UX practitioners, what we now call UX practitioners, we didn't call it that back then, even though Donald Norman was already being called a UX architect for Apple, there was common knowledge of that didn't exist. So here I am and I'm starting to dabble with the web design, designed my first website in 1995. And as many websites were back then, it was simply brochureware. It was simply about having a presence on the internet so that people could find you and people could learn something about you. But I already started to recognize that usability, did we use the term? Nope, I didn't. I knew that usability was critical. I knew that we needed to understand mental models. Did I call it mental models? No, I didn't. But we spent time trying to understand who's coming to the site. What types of goals will they have? What types of tasks do we need to facilitate? What types of topics do we need to have on the site to answer people's questions before they ask them? Basically, I began to to look at a lot of things that today they're second nature. There's something that that we don't look at, not when you have a certain amount of experience. We don't look at things from a process-oriented perspective. It just doesn't work that way anymore. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but want to make sure I mention that. I go through all of the, the progressions that we would do today. We get an understanding of what we need to include on the site. We go through what we now know as content strategy. And long story short, the site rolls out. The first generation of this website rolls out and we were able to establish uh, a presence on the internet. And, and interestingly, the success of that organization, things worked out rather well to the extent that within the first seven years, that nonprofit organization had a reach around the world in 80 countries, according to the, the analytics that we were able to, to gather on the site. Yes, I was dabbling in analytics way back in the late 90s. So that's how I got started. But right after that, a few years after that, I started getting involved and I got my first IT job. And I, the, the web design that I started doing freelance web design right after that officially. And I, I got my first IT job and it was as a desktop support person. And I also have a background in customer support, which, and, and that is not irrelevant. You would be surprised the types of, of jobs that many of us have done in our past that tie into helping make us what we are as UX professionals today. I have a sales background. I have a secretarial background. Yes, I used to be a secretary. I used to type 120 words a minute. <laughs> Back in the days of the dedicated word processors, and I'm telling my age when I talk about something like that. But my former um, being a manager of the word processing department, being a customer support representative, being a receptionist, for, for a company. Yes, I was a former football player and I was a receptionist. Yes, I was. But a lot of the things that I did earlier on in my career did help me as a UX professional because I became all of those jobs that I had, those different roles that I had, 
helped shape my my mode of operation as a people centered individual. I was in a lot of of supporting roles when I was a salesperson. I engaged in what salespeople would refer to as soft sales. I was not a hard salesperson. I didn't force people to do things or try to force people to do things that would work for me and my pocket and my bank account, but did not work for my customer. It was always about what are your needs. And I'd like to gain a greater understanding of what your needs are so that I can prescribe a solution that's going to work for you. That's going to help your business be successful. Yes, that does factor in today as a UX professional. I still maintain that that that's still a part of of Darren Hood's persona as a UX professional and sort of mentioning this now. This is why I'm telling the story today is that everybody out there who's a UX professional or a budding UX professional, please make sure you take the time to take a look at what has made you what you are today, because where you have been will factor into where you need to be as a UX professional and what's going to make you be the absolute best user experience professional you can be. My sales background factors in my customer experience background taps into that. Actually things that I was doing back then, they are CX related. Uh, and I was actually thinking about customer support, but, uh, but all of those things, it, it, I was, I kept getting into these jobs that focused on the users what we now call the users and making things the absolute best for them and making sure that I met their needs and not get drowned out by hippo input. And for those of you that don't know what hippo is, that's the highest paid person's opinion. It was always about what can we do to make things work the best and give people the absolute best experience with what we have made available for them. And I hope everybody sees the relevance of that today. So at any rate, pick up around 2000 to 2002 and I I shifted actually it's a little bit before that it was actually I'm losing my my timeline here a little bit 1998 was when I shifted into a formal instructional design role I had been doing training for a few years but it was always very informal and was always very basic and it was never anything really official but in 1998 I transitioned from the IT department that I was working into as a desktop support person because when I was in that role, I always found myself training somebody and I helped the entire company transition from here. Here's a blast from the past. Amipro over to Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word was becoming all the rage about that time. And so I provided on demand training that helped the entire company transition from the old Lotus office suite over to the Microsoft Office Suite, even though we did still keep Lotus Notes. And that was something that I did later on. I, I created all types of resources and delivered classes on a regular basis and helped the entire company. I believe it's somewhere between 12 to 1500 people transition over. When we did transition over to Lotus Notes, I designed all the training, delivered the courses, and the same thing. I wanted to deliver a sound experience. So again, not doing user experience fully yet, but I was learning some things on the instructional design side that was helping me to move unbeknownst to me to get ready for where I was going in the future. In the same time, at the same time, I'm doing freelance web design 
in the evenings on my own time. We moved forward to roughly 2005. Well, not roughly, yeah, 2005. Make sure I get my, my times right. And I had been doing work for OnStar. A lot of the same things were happening. I started trying to do some information architecture work. I finally come into the knowledge of what information architecture was. And and I was doing some information architecture work in, in addition to the training work that I was doing for OnStar. And I thought that it was time for me to take a good, solid look at who I was. And I encourage people to do that today. A lot of people today get into UX and they just, they hear about the salaries and they realize that it's, it's, it's hot and they see the articles about the how UX is one of the up-and-coming positions. And frankly, there are a lot of people today that are getting into UX for all the wrong reasons. There is practically no barrier to entry. There are some people, if you want to go to a university and attend uh, a, a two or, um, well, not a two, but a an undergrad program, or you want to go through a certificate program at a university, or you want to get a master's degree associated with UX, you still have to go through a process, an admission process, and you have to show yourself worthy before a university will admit you, or will allow you to go to that school. But there are boot camps and there are MOOCs and there is no barrier of entry there. And so a lot of people are going that route and we have an issue in the UX world now because there's a lot of people who were in the field just because nobody stopped them and they never did what I did. So again, I'm, I'm challenging people today, especially if you're trying to get into UX, you need to take a good, honest, solid look at who you are and make sure that being a UX professional is what you want to do. And we'll talk about that on another podcast in a little bit more detail. But I took a long, hard look at myself and I realized that some of the things that I was doing with the freelance web design, I was already starting to study and read some of the UX leaders of the day. I was already studying and reading Jesse James Garrett. I was already studying and reading Jacob Nielsen. I was already starting to read Donald Norman's works. I was already reading books by Nathan Shedroff, who was a big interaction designer uh, in the early uh, 2000s. And I was already starting to learn about the Susan Weinshanks of the world and Kelly Goto and a lot of people and some of the people who I actually interact with today. And I went ahead and I made the transition. I was about to go to Boise State University and get a master's degree in education. And I said, no, you know what? I really love this whole information architecture thing that we weren't using the acronym UX yet, but it was all about information architecture. And those are the positions that were available. I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. I am going to shift my direction. I am going to mortgage my future and I am going to put my best foot forward and be the absolute best UX professional that I can be. And I landed my first full-time UX related job at Comerica Bank, uh, and this was in, in Michigan, the headquarters was in Michigan, and the IT department uh, was was uh, run out of Auburn Hills, Michigan, and 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 I, I, I did not mention, I had applied for an information architecture job at a 
digital design agency and didn't get the job. And that's part of what helped to whet my appetite. A lot of people get upset because of that job that we just didn't get or that interview that didn't go our way. And those experiences are worth their weight in gold. If you interview for a job and you don't get the job or you apply for the job and you don't get the interview, chalk it up as experience. Take a look at yourself and identify what you could have done better. Try to find out as much as you can. What can I do? How well did the interview go? Did I present myself in a proper manner? And just chalk it up as an experience and and be thankful, be grateful that you had the experience to be able to interview uh, when if it gets that far and just keep building yourself up. And that's what I did. And I ended up presenting myself better. If I had not had that interview where I didn't get the job, when I did interview later, I would not have been in a position to present myself in a way that a hiring manager wanted to see. So I was very thankful for what happened at that first job that I didn't get. I got that position at Comerica Bank, which was a leading bank in the metro Detroit area, which is where I'm from. And and things just continued to move on from there. Since that time, that's 2005, I continue to grow. And if you opt into being a UX professional, that means that you have committed to lifelong education. We are always learning. We are always working to get better. We are always keeping our eye on what's going on in the in the tech world and in the world that we provide services for so that we can continue to grow our own knowledge base. We can continue to build our personal heuristic repository where we continue to know more and more about heuristics, which make us even more sharp in the work that we're doing and able to give recommendations and, and, and to be able to guide design efforts in an expert manner. These things come as we continue to grow and we continue to build and become that the best UX professional that we can possibly be. I continued to grow. I ended up going to Syracuse University to get a master's in information management with a user needs specialization. It was a UX related master's degree. And then I started thinking, you know what? There's gotta be more, even though I've been doing it by this time, it's 2011. And I'm thinking there must be a way for me to do more. I want, I, I, I've got to assume that I have gaps and the best way for me to fill those gaps is to stay in school. And so I ended up going to Kent state university, which has one of the absolute best UX master's programs in the country. And the program is available online. It's a fantastic program. I go through this program and it helped to fill my gaps. It it gave me exactly what I needed. And, and I did go to other universities and things didn't work out quite well. I wasn't happy and I won't mention who those schools were today, but Kent state was a godsend for me in my life. And so that's just summing it up because we're almost out of time today. But just summing up my journey, you got to hear a little bit about how I got started. You got to hear a little bit about the things that I did as I was growing over the course of my career. And I challenge you today, if you're just getting started, it's a long ride, folks. Get ready to, to, uh, to endure. Get ready to continue to build yourself. Don't let the hardships or the challenges that you face 
Don't let those things slow you down. Don't let those things deter you. Don't let those things discourage you. Continue to make sure that you're embracing the efforts to be, again, the absolute best UX professional that you can be. So you're going to have to admit what you see, admit shortcomings when you see them, perform a SWOT analysis on your own self. For those of you that don't know, that strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Look at the opportunities that are available to you. Look at the weaknesses that you identify in you and make yourself better. That's it, folks. That's all we can cover in this time, but we're glad you're able to join us today. So until next time, this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.